What's going on, everybody? Do me a quick favor. Head on over to our iTunes page. Give us a rating and a comment. Let's go. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. But you know what they say, Kaye. Slow motion better than no motion. I walked in the crib, got two kids and my baby mama lay. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. So I had to did what I had to did, cause I had to give. Uh-oh. I love that song. All right. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the High Button Podcast. My name is Justin Belanger. I am your host. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, Before we start today's episode, I just want to give a shout out to Jill Sonier and her efforts for organizing uh, a hockey day for the Barho family this Saturday, March 16th at the BMO Center. 3 to 6 p.m. Stop by. Donations are are welcome. Uh, you can come stop in, say hi to everybody that's there. Just be part of a great cause. Obviously, all of us know uh, what happened with the Barho family is a tragedy. Um, and this is one thing that I love about the hockey community. Anytime uh, you know so- something terrible happens, the hockey community gathers around, huddles together, and tries to make the best out of it. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be a tragedy outside of hockey. It could be a tragedy inside of hockey. It could be, you know, anyone that needs the hockey community's help. Uh, It's amazing. From the NHL level all the way down to the Timbits level, people within the hockey community always want to help and make this world a better place. So I'm proud uh, to call myself a friend of Jill. Uh, She's doing great things. And if you have free time on March 16th, this Saturday, make sure to stop at uh, the BMO Center over in Bedford. 3 to 6 p.m., stop off, say hi to people. Some amazing auction items, signed Sidney Crosby jersey, uh, Nathan McKinnon jersey as well. Some tickets for some pretty cool sporting events. Uh, Yeah, definitely just try to stop by if you can. If you can't, donations, you can make them at, I think if you just go to Jill's Facebook page or Instagram page, you'll be able to uh, find out where to donate at, or you can just always go to the GoFundMe for the Barho family as well. Okay, let's thank today's sponsors. Eagle Energy is a plant-based caffeine inhaler. For those of you that are looking for an alternative to, you know, four coffees a day, high sugar, high caffeine, I think Eagle Energy is the product for you. It is a plant-based inhaler that has zero calories, zero sugar, and it works within three to five minutes. Rather than these high sugary energy drinks that could take up to 30 to 45 minutes to kick in. Remember, Eagle Energy, no calories, no sugar. It is a plant-based product. So when you're talking to your friends at the dinner table, you can say that it's plant-based so you can sound good about yourself or feel good about yourself. You can take it anywhere you go, classroom, to work, maybe to hockey, to any sporting event that you go to. It just gives you that little pickup. It gives you that little boost that you need throughout the day to make sure that you stay focused on your tasks at hand. And let's be honest, people. Everyone needs a little bit of energy in today's world. Everyone's running around left, right, and center trying to get everything done. Eagle Energy is what allows me to stay focused and it makes sure that I finish all my tasks at hand. I want this product to be in your hand. Make sure to head over to eagle.energy and pick up your Eagle Energy today. Welcome back to the High Button Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your host, Justin Belanger. Thank you very much for tuning in today. We have a great episode ahead. Andy Hay, he was the runner-up in the 2018 Master Chef 
Canada television series. After the show, he decided to move back to Nova Scotia. He brought his talents with him and opened up his own shop called Andy's East Coast Kitchen. I found out that this guy is a self taught cook that's very interesting to me so we're definitely going to talk about that and also just when the love for cooking came into his life and then I guess when he started to take it serious and then after that moving on to MasterChef Canada there's so many steps in a in a professional career and it seems like he's gone through a lot of them so I'm excited to talk to him about that it's going to be a great episode hi button you know what comes next All right, Andy, we're going, man. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Life must be busy for you right now. It's crazy. It must be. It's crazy. Is it? Yep. We, um, it's been busy. We've been launching this business, been trying to learn how to cook professionally, trying to launch a YouTube studio. We just moved houses. My wife is pregnant. No, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. So life is, is busy, Life's, to say the least. That's unreal, man. Yeah, when yeah. did all this, like, because I, I was talking to Jasper yesterday and he yeah. said you're a, a self-taught cook yes and i think that's cool because yeah. i look at myself i didn't go to broadcasting school but i just yeah. started something so when yeah. i heard that about you i was yeah. i want to know that journey so before we start i guess you know where, where did you grow up so i grew up in brookside super oh, close okay. to 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 uh peggy's cove yeah so lived out there my whole life and then i went to high school at john a for a couple of years they switched up the boundaries and then yeah. i finished at the west yeah and then went to mount a so what was like, it like growing up in brookside I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. So you're far enough outside the city that you could have like a country style life a little bit. Pull the mic up just a little bit. Sorry. There you there go. Turn on my phone here so it doesn't uh, buzz <laughs> off. But uh, so you get that like country lifestyle, but you're also not that far from the city. Yeah. So you'd be able to go like swimming, golfing in the woods, whatever. So we had like a really free childhood. So yeah. it was it was awesome. Loved it out there. Did you love cooking at an early age? I was the fat kid, so I loved eating more than I liked uh, <laughs> like cooking. But my mom is a great cook. She like all my mom's side is all Newfie, yeah. and they love to eat. And uh, I never went hungry. That's for sure. I've never been to Newfoundland. What's it like there? It's amazing. It's yeah. a whole different country. Like when you go there, you you land and you're like this. You can tell that uh, Newfoundland joined Canada, like in the nineteen like nineteen forty seven. I think it was. I could be wrong. Well, we'll have to fact <laughs> we'll look it up that. later. But it wasn't that long ago. You go there and it's just they have a really distinct culture. And like the people are incredible. The type of food that they eat is very different than the rest of Canada. Yeah. Um, it's very like hunted, foraged. It's really fresh and it's really like time and place. So I think that like in Canada, they've got probably the coolest food scene going on right now. Yeah. Uh, they've got like probably arguably the top chef in Canada and Jeremy Charles yeah. that are, are just doing some really interesting things. So besides the food, the people are wonderful. It's just so vast. It's really wild place. It's, yeah. it's worth a visit. So when you first started out doing this, like it sounds like you're talking very passionately yeah. about Newfoundland food. Yeah. Do you try to implement that into your own food or, you know, do you have uh, maybe some other inspirations yeah, that, totally. you, that you put into your own food? Or do you have no inspiration and just go, I need to do what I'm doing in order to be different? Yeah, I, I think for, for us, my wife and I, when she was finishing up, fish, finishing up law school, okay. we ended up going to Southeast Asia. So we went to Cambodia, Thailand, Laos, Vietnam, Singapore. And we were there for six months, traveling around, backpacking, eating a ton of street food. And then we came home and I was like, fuck, like I really am craving 
that food that we were having over there. So that was really the moment where I was like, okay, I need to like start making this at home. And then we would have dinner parties or just friends over on the weekend. I'd be slinging like bowls of pho or noodle dishes or whatever. And people were like, this is really good. How many years ago, by the way, did you go there? This was seven years ago. Okay. okay, Yeah. So seven years ago. And then when I came home, I, I was just like, okay, this is, I really enjoy this and started reading more cookbooks, watching more YouTube on like cooking specific dishes. And then I realized like I've got a bit of a knack for this and just like kept on exploring it further and further. So when I think about cooking, I think of multiple things. I think of the process of cooking, drinking mm-hmm. wine, listening to yeah. music. I think of actually grilling a steak. I think yeah. of so many different loves that can go into actually cooking a meal for someone. It can yeah. be uh, the planning of uh, a dinner party, hosting yeah. a dinner party. Yeah. What do you think like the one thing about cooking a meal for someone that is that you love is it the grocery shopping there's so many things yeah there's so much to it that's the thing i love the whole process everything it's, it's everything from like when you start cooking professionally the amount of time that you spend finding the right produce finding the right ingredients and sourcing them locally is is a full-time job in itself so i love that process of like finding the perfect ingredient like i spent a lot of time in asian grocery stores finding those like little hidden treasures that i never knew anything about before so you I must like, be building such good relationships yeah big time that. like it's it's fun it's like it it is like you get to meet all of these different families that run these little shops yeah and having them like take you through the maze of their stores and like introduce you to new ingredients that i've never heard of before yeah like that's really cool so i take a lot i really love that but i think it's it's meditative to me like the process of cooking uh it's the one thing that i can really get super focused on i I find like uh in my old world i used to do tech sales i'd be very distracted that it's very easy to go off on a tangent but i find with food i can really zero in on it and even now where i'm doing it in front of like whether it's cooking for events or doing like even with master chef or i was on a culinary competition last weekend i can like zero out everything else except for what i'm doing and it's the one thing i feel like in my life that i can do that with um so i take great satisfaction in that but it all comes back to i love making people happy. Like I love cooking something delicious. And then I love those moments where you put something down on the table, they take that first bite and the whole table goes silent. And then you're just like waiting anticipation. And then you just hear people like it start enjoying it and start talking about how amazing it is. Yeah. And like that, I take great satisfaction is like making people happy, delivering that experience, making them taste something that they otherwise may have never tasted before. Yeah. Like I, I love that so much. So the other side of cooking, it sounds like the display and giving food, like you just said, do you love that part equally as cooking the food? Like, yeah. do you like the, the presentation? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie. Um, what's it called? Chef, not chef. Uh, it's a documentary. Anyways, I'll remember it later. It's mm-hmm. a guy who lives in Los Angeles. He's an agent, and he says he lives in Maui actually. Okay. And he says, uh, you know, he has clients from Hollywood, and you know, Hollywood actors yeah. are very they can in the head they can go crazy sometimes. Yeah. So what he'll do is invite people out to his house in Maui and. He'll cook for them. Yeah. You know, he said Mike Myers was at his house for three weeks straight. Crazy. Just because, you know, he had a bad move, movie review, became depressed. Yeah. Then he went to this guy's house. Shep. Shep Gordon. That's his oh, name. Oh, yes, yes. Have you yes, seen yes. that? No, uh, I've, I saw a podcast where he was on Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. The legend of Shep Gordon. Yeah. And he said that the one thing he notices that makes people relax, makes people calm and get back to who they are yeah. is food, conversation, totally. yep. company, yep. good wine. Totally. And ever since that, I've always, like, I, I don't think I'm... I don't think I'd be able to like bring people over at this point in my life and cook for them, but it's one thing that I'm working towards because yeah. I'm in the same way as you. I just love doing it. I love yeah. the cooking. I love the music. I love the wine. I love the totally. preparation. That's it. That's all it is. It is. It's it's it's. Uh, there's great satisfaction from it. It's a great equalizer. 
uh, everyone needs to eat yeah. and everyone likes good food. Yeah. So I find it something that is like, again, just the conversation that people can have around food is it's just like a warm hug. Like that's what I love about it too is now in society, people are much more adventurous with what they eat. They're more into food that it's just been like this amazing conversation piece that everyone just has a story about food or is interested about ingredients or yeah. cooking because it's something that everyone has to do every single day. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an amazing equalizer and people just relax. It's just, it's, it's part of living a good life is well, eating well. Were your parents into cooking? My, again, my mom is a good, is a great cook. Uh, she does like a lot of amazing home cooked meals, but she was like a very busy nurse. My dad worked for full time. So it wasn't something that we always ate well, but it wasn't something that uh, was like a major theme in our life by any means. Yeah. Uh, but never went hungry. Mom always cooked great meals, but yeah. there, uh, my dad can't really cook that well. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to listen to yeah, that. He's going to be pissed. Cool. <laughs> yeah, he would agree with that. Um, I know you mentioned YouTube earlier and watching. Yeah, yeah. Is that, was, is that a kind of an influence on you? Because it is an influence on me. Yeah, there's so much time. out there. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's it just it, now you, it becomes a skill on being able to find good recipes understand how to make them but it, it, youtube's incredible for f learning how to do anything it's like any other skill but now i find if i'm i'm going to make something from scratch it's a quick youtube video get the basics and then i can uh, again i've been doing this long enough now that i'm be like okay i understand the concept and now i can recreate it myself but i think that the the power of youtube and food is is amazing like the amount of people that are going to youtube to find new recipes to get new inspiration to to find food personalities like that's a big part that i love too is like that's, that's half the game totally like i'm so influenced by like Anthony Bourdain or David Chang, who are big personalities. And that's something that like I love about YouTube is yes, you learn the recipes, but then you also get to find these other people that have big opinions in, in, in food. And yeah. I like listening to those opinions. And I think that that's something uh, I want to relay in my new YouTube channel as well Is like, not only just like, this is how you make X, but this is why I think you should make it this way because this is my viewpoint, whether it's right or wrong and people will disagree with it. But I think that that's what makes it entertaining is when people have an opinion on something. You uh, just mentioned Anthony Bourdain. I was a huge fan of mm -hmm. him as well. Did you read Kitchen Confidentials by any chance? Absolutely. So I want to talk about the grind of working in a kitchen. Yeah. Obviously, you're at a point now where you know you're known for your work, but there mm -hmm. must have been a time before where you weren't so much. Maybe you could talk about like the grind in the kitchen, and how much work, yeah. the hours, yeah. and the the sweat equity that goes yeah. into it. I, I'm definitely not the one to to talk about this. I've actually never worked in a kitchen. Wow. So I came into this whole culinary world on a uh, on a bit of a plateau. So I feel like I, I cheated the system a little bit. I've got mad respect for people that go in there and start in their early teens, start washing dishes, and then move up the line. Uh, it's a tough, tough grind. I have I, I've got a lot of respect for them. I don't know if I've got the stomach to do it. Like I don't think I could have survived. <laughs> Uh, but I know for me, like everyone has their own grind that they have to go through. Any creative pursuit requires yeah. you to put yourself out there. Yeah. So I think for, for me, obviously, I was on MasterChef. That like was a catapult and a major brand recognition for me uh, to start this whole adventure. But um, you do the filming for the show in like late fall. And then none of the announcements come out that the show is going to launch until like springtime. 
fall springtime okay yeah oh, so it's, okay. it's like a, a five six month period of time where you're kind of in limbo where you know the results you know how everything went but no one else does you can't say anything contractually like what happened does that get annoying people asking you like hey man just tell me or do people respect that well some people don't even know like it, there would be a time it's like people knew me as a software sales guy yeah and then they're like oh that's cool like you're do you're doing this and okay you're starting to put up some food pictures on instagram okay you're really putting up a lot of food pictures on instagram yeah what does this guy do but people, this guy doing? but people must see you on TV though, and then want to ask you if you want. Totally, to now for sure, we we get that a lot. But at yeah. that point, when you do the filming, no one knows that it hadn't been launched yet. Okay, so there's okay. this like dark period where you can't tell anyone you're on the show. No one knows what's up. But then you're also, I, I'm looking at this from my perspective, being like, okay, I want to get out there and cook for people because when the show launches and start people start following, they're gonna want to like book me to do dinners. But I've never cooked for anyone before professionally, so that period of time was like very much a grind of like getting out there asking friends and family being like can I come over we'll do like six people dinner six person dinners I'd be like shitting bricks all week it would take me like a week and a half to prep these meals and it'd be like an obnoxious amount of food but they went well and I, I wouldn't be able to sleep before any of the events yeah. but you just had to like keep on doing it and like from the period of like i think february until the show got announced in like may yeah i probably did like a dozen of these dinners just like grinding it out getting out there getting my name out and even when the show goes live like there, people have interest yeah but like from you have this imposter syndrome because it's like yes people are paying me to do it but i've actually never done this before i don't particularly know what i'm doing i've never uh like purchased this amount of food i've never portioned never like come up with a menu have you ever worked with a staff before that no no. so you have your own staff now Uh, starting to like in the beginning it was just me and my wife out there and we would go in and basically host dinner parties in other people's homes yeah and then the opportunities kept on coming more and more so last year was like a bit of a grind but i think that my background in marketing and sales and obviously with ma- the platform of MasterChef yeah. allowed me to expedite the process a little bit. Yeah. And, and even still, like, I think I'm very much in like the grind process now. And it's, 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 um, from my background in marketing, I feel like I've been able to capture a lot of the, the story and the process cool. and share that. Mm. Um, so I, I've been lucky to be able to have like a fairly quick ascent, yeah. but I still feel like I am just in the beginning grinds. Like there's, there's a lot of work to be done, yeah. but it's, it's been fun and I've been really just enjoying the grind. I yeah. think that that's been a big piece for me to recognize is like, I've tried to start so many businesses in the past yeah. and I wasn't ready to grind it out. Okay. And I think with cooking, I finally found a thing being like, oh yeah, like I'm loving the grind because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's not, it's not glamorous. Like you're down there prepping vegetables, you're working late at night. Um, you're hauling like dirty dishes back and forth from events, but it's something that I'm just like, I love this. Like, I don't want to be doing anything else. Yeah. Uh, there's still a lot of work to be done and I have like big ambitions of what I want this to turn into, Yeah. but it's early days. And, uh, the grind is all part of it. That's I'm awesome. sure you're the same thing. It's it's just like putting yourself out there yeah. and like setting yourself up for the possibility you might fail. But then if you do, if you don't, you learn from it and you keep on grinding through it and just learn from it. Well said. I couldn't, it's, that's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Um, chef's table. I love watching that. Whenever oh, yeah. I watch these chefs, I see a huge leadership ability and being able to run a kitchen, you have to have the respect of people that are cooking for you. And yeah. you just mentioned the fact that you have, you know, a crew now you know you have employees that are working for you do you were you were you a born leader or do you have to pick up these skill sets along the way yeah it i i don't know i don't know how how to go with that one i think it's uh i played a lot of sports growing up played hockey uh played rugby always had like leadership roles on those teams but i think what's kind of cool is like i i went through 
10 years in tech software, working for salesforce.com, which is one of the largest like B2B software companies in the world. Got very well trained there on and exposed to some phenomenal leaders that yeah. are at like the top of the software world, yeah. so software <laughs> game in the world. Yeah. So I, I think I learned a lot from them on like how to run good teams. And then now that I'm in the kitchen, it's interesting working with cooks because they've been exposed to kitchen life and I never have been. Oh, that's a weird. So that's it, weird. it is strange, and like some people talk about like kitchen culture and um, and how it's it's a tough grind. Like people are working long hours; it's intense. Uh, I'm just thinking of burnt. Yeah, like, but that's it. Like yeah. that, people can get like it. It's very, very dominant. There's, it's just, it can be very intense, and that's not that's not you. That's not me. So, and like I think for me, it's not as if I don't have any pre uh, preconceived notions on my food. I don't feel like I have a big because ego. you've never been there I don't you've never I been, been there so I'm relying on some of these these cooks that I'm bringing in it's like okay there's no wrong answers I don't have all the answers I'm bringing you in here because you you have good experience but like let's do something cool like there's no rules let's just play and let's do this in like a friendly way and try to be like very refreshing um so I think it's it's going well and I think that the people that I've brought in have been uh have responded really well to this new culture that I'm trying to bring to my kitchen Yeah, uh, where it's like, I don't want it to be dominant. I don't want people to be scared to come in here. I don't want people to feel like abused in any way. Like I want it to be like a very creative space. Yeah, We're going to have to work hard and there's going to be moments of stress, but that doesn't mean like at the end of the day, we're cooking food and like, it's not, we're not saving lives here. We're cooking food. Let's not lose sight of that. Yeah. And let's, let's just have fun because I think that fun comes through to the diner they can tell like i get that we get that compliment a lot of it's like we can tell you're having fun we can tell by this food yeah. that you're having fun because it's crazy there's no rules like i don't follow any specific rubric it's all over the place it's zingy it's crunchy it's like mixing different cultures but isn't that how you become great at what you do by not following the rules i i guess so and that's kind of what i'm trying to do is like apply those rules because it's all i know and I, I kind of uh starting to embrace the fact that i am very untrained and I think that that's an advantage when you're going against a lot of other great chefs are are trained and they follow similar rubrics and then everyone gets their own voice. But I, I'm thinking that being untrained is actually a big advantage for me. That's wicked. Yeah. Well said. Um, there's so many things I want to talk about, man, but we do have to talk about MasterChef behind the scenes. I know a lot of people want to hear about that because people get to watch the show. I yeah. get to watch the show. We all get to watch the yep. show. Yep. But not, of us, not a lot of us get to be in the show. Yeah. Behind the scenes, how's it working? You know, if you're if you're cooking a hot plate, but there's a commercial break and the judge has to see it, maybe the steak doesn't get, yeah. you know, it cools down a bit. Yeah. How, how's the timing and everything working behind the scenes there on that show? So I want to drop every secret, but you CTV can't. owns me, no. so I can't say too too much. All right, it's all good. Um, but it it's a it's a crazy production. Like yeah. when I got up there, you're talking 300 people on the floor at all times. Is that and, distracting? Uh, again, for some, I, I like I was saying earlier, like I find I have. I found this ability to zone in oh, on yeah. food, but it's tough because you have people coming in to interview you while you're cooking. You have the judges coming to ask you questions. Uh, you've got like walls of cameras. There's like boom mics over you. There's a lot going on. Like it is a very, very, very big production. It is CTV's, uh, largest show in the winter does it film in toronto it filmed mississauga mississauga yeah so we were there for uh seven weeks 
uh, totally sequestered, no phone, no internet. I get to call home once a week for 10 minutes. My daughter was had just turned wow. one years old. Uh, my wife had just gone back from mat leave. So it was crazy. Like it was, uh, and it, it's very intense. It's a pressure cooker. They're trying to mess with you. The producers are messing with you to try to create that on-camera drama. And um, <laughs> they're it, just throwing shit at you. Totally, yeah. <laughs> like there, there were some crazy moments, and they just like the further you get in the process, they start like turning up the like the pressure even more. So it's it it becomes. Um, survival of who can handle the pressure and that uh, there were some super super talented cooks that uh, i think like it gets to you it messes with you every single step they're trying to mess with you they know the formula and they're trying to figure out who can we try to break <laughs> that's hilarious yeah so it was a lot of fun i wish i could give all the the tv secrets but no that's fine i would get sued did you learn anything about yourself during the process yeah big time i think it's i i just through that process and even even to this day, I think it's just you don't know what you're capable of if you don't put yourself in situations. And that's like it, and that can be totally reckless. And but that's been what's fueled me over the last year is just put yourself yeah. into uncomfortable situations because you've proven to yourself that you can react well in those situations. Yeah. So I think that that's what I like really learned at MasterChef is that this is what I want to do. If you want to do this, you're going to have to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. Wait a second. That's where you found out? That's what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Was that that show? I think I always knew that I want. I, I thought I wanted to do it, but I thought like, so I was selling software and I remember I turned 30. I was like, okay, like I'm going to do this for three more years. At 33, if I'm still wanting to cook, I'm going to go do it. And then like at that moment, I was like, well, if I'm going to do that at 33, why don't I just do it now? Because then at 33, I'll have like some experience and be able to build it off it. And it all serendipitously fell into place. Like I got into master chef and then I was like, Oh man, like this is, this is your shot. If you're going to do it, it's right now. Like you have to go and grab this. So I just saw like, there is like a business opportunity here to grab, but you have to do it right now. You have to leverage this. You can't make a misstep from this point on. Yeah. And, uh, and then you just realize like, 2.2 million people are going to be watching the show. So if you're good, what other platform do you want? Like, if you're going to do it, this is the moment you love this. So like it's go time. Did so you I, try to represent Nova Scotia food in the show or do they make? Time. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. So what is Nova Scotia food? Cause a lot of people have a different perspective of it. It's donair, it's yeah. mussels, it's lobster. What do you think it is? I think it's all that. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is all that. I, I think that, um, on the show, I, I knew that I was one of the few Nova Scotians and, uh, there was, I think there was five of us in the top 21 and then it went down to top 12 on the first episode and I was the only East coaster. So from basically must, Quebec over. That must feel good. you know. Totally. Yeah. But then I knew I was like, okay, I know like I love the East coast. We all support each other like so much. And I knew that that would be the case. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I played into it as well. It's like, I know East coasters are watching. I want them to rally. There's going to be something. I want this to be bigger than just master chef. I want this to relay after. So I was like, okay, I just, I need to build this East coast brand from the show. Um, and I started trying to do that with the food as well. Like in the finale, my dishes were, I did a Donaire in the finale. I did a Nova Scotia hodgepodge and I did a Newfoundland Towton, which is like a donut in the, in the finale. Yeah. So I wanted to leverage those foods. And I think that like, what is Nova Scotia food? I think it's, I think it's 
a lot of things that are based in humble beginnings. I think you look at the chowder. I think you look at like lobster rolls. You look at like blueberry grunt. I think that there's like Nova Scotia food is a lot more than that too. Like I think one big story that I think that doesn't get talked enough about like what is even Halifax food or Nova Scotia food is the influence of the Lebanese culture. Like if you think of how much of our like the number one food of Halifax is the donair. It's like, where did that come from? That was like introduced by by the Lebanese community when they when they moved here. And yeah. I think that that food culture influences like what is Halifax food? What is Nova Scotian food? So that's like a, a big part of when I think of it is is kind of like trying to figure out where are those where are those dishes that are from here and not necessarily haven't been here for maybe 200 years but like what represents what means nova scotia now and yeah. the way that i'm trying to do my own spin on nova scotian food is like take some of those classics or frameworks of those classics so like a chowder for example it's like i look at that and i'm just like okay how can i like i want to have my own personal chowder i don't want to just take someone's uh, someone else's recipe and do that same thing like how can i bring my own spin on this. So mm. I always try to incorporate a lot of Asian flavors into Nova Scotia cuisine. So I've wow. launched this or started thinking of like, okay, a chowder course, like a Nova Scotian menu should have a chowder course, but like, what is a chowder that I could do that no one else is doing? So I've started doing like a green curry chowder. So it's the same framework of the chowder. So it's like all sorts of like scallops and lobster and haddock and potatoes. But instead of like the cream broth, I've started using like my own green curry. So it's like a play on both, like it's recognizable, but it's a it's a little bit different. And I feel like that to me is my lane of Nova Scotian food is taking those frameworks. So like a lobster roll and infusing, like I started doing like Thai basil and cilantro and soy and rice wine and lime leaf into a lobster roll where it's it's familiar, it's approachable, but when you taste it, you're like, oh, I've never tasted a lobster roll like that. So that to me is my type of Nova Scotian food. Um, but yeah, I think Nova Scotian food is, is that's where the future is for Nova Scotia food. I think yeah. is like the infusion of other cultures, other, other cultures. And you're seeing that, like, I think you're going to see some amazing fusion with like Syrian cuisine and traditional Nova Scotian dishes because you have this influx of people and their tradition and their culture and their flavors. Like, I think that that's what the future of Nova Scotia cuisine is, is, is these infusion of new flavors. In order to get recognized in the, in the cuisine world, do you have to take risks? Is think, that is that how you yeah. move up? I think in like any creative endeavor, you have to try to be a little bit different. And, and it's it's that fine line between like being different but being good and not just being different to be different. It's like yeah. being different yeah. in a way that's like, oh, that's that's cool, that's refreshing, but it's not like insane. So it's like trying you have to, to put thought into yeah, being different. Yeah, it's like it's trying to be smart about being different. Yeah. But just not being different just to be different. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, favorite cooking movie. Oh man. Favorite cooking movie. There's so many. My favorite genre of movie is cooking. Yeah. Chef is mine. Chef is your John, chef. Is John, great. John Favreau. Yeah, love that one. Um, Taco truck. I'm trying to think what like my favorite cooking movie would be i watch so much food content but it's a lot of like inside the mind of a chef chef's table a lot of the cooking shows i'm trying to total blank i can't even think of anything right now there's like ratatouille you got uh ratatouille's dope you got the what's the one where the restaurant's right next to the other one two two block mile if you can't think of one we'll come back to it I think like there's a lot of great food movies that are coming to me like i even think a great food movie is charlie and the chocolate factory 
the amount I, of like I, I wonder that that can bring into like desserts and stuff like that. I guess yeah. that that's kind of inspiring. I don't know. I'm drawing it to complete blank. We'll come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back. Um, cooking on the beach. What's the key to it? Uh, is <laughs> keys is making sure you choose the right location. How do you so, do that? So you need to make sure that there's not too much wind. And that's a big that. one. Never thought of yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's super tough to try to make it so it's not too windy. Um, you want to make sure that you're far enough away from the tides. Know where the tides are at. I've done a few cooks oh, yeah. where I'd, like, I'd set up a fire or, or our whole site, and then the tide switches, and then you're screwed. You have to like pack that up. So I think that that's a big one. Another one, keeping like keeping it simple. Don't make it too complicated. Like Make something that's easy to execute because you're you're battling with the elements the wind the water like if it starts to rain and then you're trying to figure out the fire because you want the fire to be hot but not too hot not too smoky so it's just keep it simple uh and just try to keep it if i'm cooking on the beach i try to make it seafood just so it's like time and place as well yeah um i want to talk about andy's east coast kitchen yeah um Talk about it a bit. Yeah. You know, it, it, that's your baby. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's, it's my wife and I just kind of like, I look to my wife sometimes and just shake my head. I can't believe like it, how it's all come together so far. So the, the East coast kitchen, we're going through a bit of a rebranding as I bring on more people. Yeah. I want to drop the Andes and go to like the East coast kitchen just so it's the like, east there's coast more kitchen. ownership for, yeah. for the people on the team. So it doesn't feel like it's, it's just me. Yeah. Um, so it's been cool. Like in the beginning, it was just like getting out there and cooking for people. I was doing a lot of in-home dinners. Um, but even from day one, one thing that I'm, I'm really focusing on is basically trying to build two businesses at once. What's the other one? So it's, it's all the East coast kitchen, but it's basically two different arms. You have the food arm, which will always be there. That's like the engine. So we're doing corporate catering. We're doing in-home events. We're doing like crazy pop-ups, what some weddings, if they're like unique style stuff, but it's boutique high-end catering is kind of what we're trying to do is like, how can we come in and deliver something that's different? Yeah. And, and that's not going to change. That is, that's the engine that's growing the business. But my background from marketing and I was doing a lot of um, sales in the media world is I, re- I recognize early on that every company, this was one of my sales pitches before, was like every company is a media company. From social media has changed the game. You have to create content in order to be relevant. And I think in food, that's like exponentially more true. So that's been something I've recognized from day one is like I want to capture everything that we do and share that. So Instagram has been my main platform. I always bring my digital camera to every event. We're trying to capture the food, the experience and bring people along for the ride. And I've tried to been like, I've tried to be super transparent about like how I feel and where I'm at being like, I can't believe, or like, I'm super nervous for this event. Like I'm cooking for the G7 or the Toronto Blue Jays and like try to bring people along because there are some people that were following me when I was a tech sales guy and started doing my first ever event and people are cheering you on. And then they, they are part of the journey where it's like, yeah. okay, I did this six person dinner in January. And then in the following January, I'm cooking for the Toronto blue Jays. And like people are able to follow along with that. But because of being able to capture that content, I'm trying to build a media company as well. So that's part of the transition. I'm moving away from Andy's East coast kitchen to the East coast kitchen in order to create like a pl- an online platform so that we're going to be launching a YouTube channel where I'm going to be doing like cooking lessons. We're going to do some travel segments, but then I also want to find like other interesting cooks that have cool voices and something cool to say. So one of my, uh, my kitchen manager right now is, is Brad George. Shout out to Brad. What up, Brad? Um, <laughs> and he's like, he's super interesting. Like I'm looking for very specific types of cooks. You're a talent scout. 
Kind of like I, I think that I want to. There's a lot of really interesting people in the food world that I think have interesting things to say. So I want to give him, for example, a platform. I want to give him a YouTube, uh, like a YouTube channel where he can produce content for the East Coast Kitchen. Um, I will help kind of brand him up a little bit. Uh, I'll help capture the content, share it, and hopefully give him and other cooks a platform where they can kind of get online and build a brand because i think that that that's half the game being a cook is a really really hard job and uh like from a career perspective it's the hours are not great uh the pay is definitely not great um and i think that it's really really tough and i think there's some really interesting people in the kitchens that again i was very very fortunate to be given a platform through master chef and my background in in media so i want to figure out a way that maybe i can help these chefs have a voice and and kind of make a business out of it so yeah. i don't know what that's all going to look like but that's very much a focus of mine now is is keeping the events going but then also like really jumping into the media side of things like you see Maddie Matheson and these and like Vice Munchies, Action Bronze, exactly, and like Bon Appetit, where they've they've found these like unorthodox food voices that people fucking love. They yeah. go crazy for them, yeah. and like I think that that's really cool and really refreshing. And I think that my angle is going to be like, how do I tell those stories or those people through the lens of the East Coast? Like I think that there's a really cool food story and food stories happening here. So I think that that's what I'm going to focus on. And I think the rest of Canada is really intrigued about what's going on on the East Coast. And Absolutely. I think so many people in Vancouver and Toronto think that like the furthest thing east is Montreal. And it's like, no, there's actually a huge <laughs> amount of things going on over here. And it's it's a really cool place. And I think that as Maritimers, a lot of us are a little bit shy to stand up and say like, this place is awesome where we are and there's like really cool people. There's really Mm. cool stories. And I think the rest of Canada wants to learn more about what the East coast is. And that's where I'm going to be taking my business as well as like digitalizing that, sharing it and hopefully getting brands involved and and telling that story. That's the one thing, not the one thing. That's one of the many things that's great about where we live is the characters. You've been to Newfoundland. You've seen the characters. You've been around a fire, a campfire at three in the morning when the boys are drinking and the characters come out. There is so much potential here for character. It's crazy. And that's what I do in my business. I like how you said every business is a media business business because you have to find talent. You have to find people with personality and put them on a platform. Totally. When we do our street interviews, I love to find other people to go out and do them because there's people that are great at it and they they might not know it and they don't have a platform because they can't go to global. They can't go to CBC. They can't go to these big television networks. But if we give them a platform here with a camera and a microphone and you go out and talk to someone, the impact that has is it's crazy through the roof. And if yeah. you add food into that, it sounds yeah. like a home run to me, my yeah. friend. It's going to be interesting. I, I always think of like when people talk about living elsewhere, like people that like I've been, I've traveled to Vancouver and out West and it's Same. beautiful, but everyone's like, Oh, I love it out here. I love the, uh, the mountains and the ocean. But one thing they never mentioned is like the people. And like, that's out East is the first thing anyone says. It's been like, yeah, the winters are fucking brutal but the people are awesome. Like I love it out here because the people are so amazing. And I think that that's something that needs to be bottled up. Like I think the rest of the world needs to know what the East coast is and what, what that really means. And it's not just like boiled lobster dinners. It's not just like bagpipes. There's a cool modern life that can be lived out here. Um, And there's a lot of really interesting people doing really interesting things through the lens of food. I think there's a a lot of stories to tell that way. I'm excited. I'm a lot excited. I'm interested to see, what Halifax is going to look like in the next 
10, 15 yeah. years. It's going to be cool. Yeah. It's going to be very cool. Yeah. Not with only like the skyline, the buildings going up, but just, you know, the economy is growing. The population is growing. Yeah. New restaurants are coming in day yeah. by day. Yeah. New things are happening every single week. Yeah. Whenever I go on the coast.com and look at events, it, there's just more happening, more yeah. going on. Yeah. And, and things like that, it's good for business. Totally. Good. You know, the coast is having an event here. Hey, Andy's Keys East Coast Kitchen, they're catering for it. Hey, yeah. something's going on here. The high button's going to do coverage there. Things like that are just good for the it's whole, crazy. for everything. Yeah. And I've noticed that the past six months for sure. The, it's amazing the amount with, of invites. The, with the internet too. And I think that people now are becoming more interested in like doing a side hustle. And I think that well, that's easy now. It's easy. Like you can just do it. Like you can get mics, you can get cameras, you can like, again, buy a burner and go cook for people on the side of the street if you want to. <laughs> like the, the barriers to entry are lower. And I think people are now getting exposed to other people doing cool stuff. And mm. they're like, you know what? Why not? I'm going to try it too. Cause you yeah. never, like, I think that that's what's really refreshing about Halifax is you're seeing young entrepreneurs saying, you know what? Not even young entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs in general that are just being like, I'm going to go do something that like makes my heart sing or just that I want to yeah. try it out because it's interesting and it just yeah. it's, it could be a cool story. And I think that that's what's fueling a lot of the interesting stuff going on in Halifax too. Do you ever desire talking to the youth about what you do cooking, maybe going to junior highs or high schools and telling your story, things yeah. like that? It's I, I really want to get into that and that'll yeah. be like part of the the YouTube channel. I'm doing some work with like um, the Department of Agriculture with Nova Scotia okay, to, cool. to work with. Like I did one last week where we're doing like basically a cooking segment um, where everyone like back in junior high, like you probably would have got um, little eggs that would be come into your elementary school classroom. Yeah. They do the incubation. So what they're oh, doing Oh, yeah, now, I did that. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, So yeah. they have that now. That program still goes on. So it's grade like threes to sixes. They bring in those little eggs and they incubate them over 21 days. And we just made a video series where it's going to be encouraging people to cook with healthy ingredients using eggs and chicken. So we did one of those things. So I, I love that. Um, I think that I get asked a lot. It's like, what's your advice? I'm like, I don't really have any advice yet because I'm still trying to figure it all yeah. out. Um, and I feel like there's this imposter syndrome being like, I don't think I'm the right person to ask. Like I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm just, just do make... it. That's the yeah, advice. Exactly. Just That's do it, it. Make mistakes. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, do you have dreams of maybe owning like a farm? Like you said, animals and things like that. Yeah. I know my parents, they just bought a place out in Bridgewater cool. and they want to get chickens, a garden. Yeah. They want to get the whole yeah. thing. Do you ever desire anything like that yeah, in the future? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's a, there's a restaurant in, well, there's two. There, there's the in the Inn at Bay Fortune in PEI. Okay. And then there's also Mallory Cottage in Newfoundland where what they do is essentially on their property is basically an inn and then a farm. And then they do all their own like butchery, all their own like smoking of, of different meats and stuff like that. And they cook from that location. Like it's like hyper local, but they tell that story really, really well. So that's like something, again, I'm far away from it, but that's like my ultimate vision is I, so my wife and I got married in Hubbard's. We like, that's our like home in some ways. Uh, I would love to open a very interesting Nova Scotia forward um, restaurant there someday that basically is like a destination in Nova Scotia doing modern Nova Scotia food in an approachable way. But that's, uh, I'm still a ways away from that, but that's like the end goal is to have that one spot, probably going to be seasonal, but it's like, what is my vision of real Nova Scotia cuisine? Still trying to figure that out. I'm not there yet, but that's like the ultimate goal. Do you like the idea of not owning a restaurant, but bringing people over to your home, charging them and cooking for them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Have you ever? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm doing now. That, that's, it's, that, it's, that is. We do what? some of it at our, at our 
like not yeah, your house? at our house, but we do it at other people's houses. Okay, okay, or we can okay. do pop-up. We've done a ton of pop-ups around the city, other yeah. people's restaurants, interesting spaces. Yeah. And that from like an entrepreneurship perspective. You don't need a restaurant. You don't need one. Restaurant world is really hard. Like I get asked that question a lot, being like, when you open a spot, it's like, I don't know how to run a restaurant. Like, and there's very few people that do. Like I talk to a lot of restaurant owners that like, they're like, it's really hard. Like we have massive overhead. You have staffing issues. Um, you've got clients that are customers that you make one misstep and, and you mess up. And it's just, it's a tough, tough grind. And the margins are paper, paper thin. And I've been really enjoying, I think that when people think of catering, they think that it's second tier food. And I'm trying to change that and bring in like, this is restaurant quality food. Or that's what we're trying to do is we're really trying to push it on the food side of things, um, but keep the margins good. Like I'm trying to build a business that's sustainable, that also makes money. And that's uh, because I, I've tried to run businesses in the past. I, I went to business school. Like That's probably where I feel more. I feel way more comfortable calling myself a marketer than I do calling myself a chef. Really? So that's where that's I'm like, cool. I'm wanting to focus on on building a business that works. And uh, God love my wife for giving me a very long leash to do so. Like I've turned down a lot of things that maybe would have made money in the short term, but it's like, I want to figure out how this is sustainable for the long term because it is my passion. I don't want to get into a business that I start hating. Like I don't want to open a restaurant and then be like, I fucking hate this. So I'm like very cognizant of not ruining a passion and doing it in really interesting, well thought out ways. Um, And not by no means have I, have I, have that answer totally thought out, but that's the process that I'm going through is like, how do I build a business that makes money that works for my life? Um, that is unique is, is what I'm trying to figure out. Well, I think that the unique side of it comes naturally to you. The fact that you didn't go to culinary school and you're doing this just on a whim, you're trying to figure everything out by yourself. You might not know it, but to me that just sounds like uniqueness in itself. Yeah. It's been, it comes to you. Yeah. It's been definitely like a very good I hate even saying this, but like a storyline or a branding line. Is Why do just, you hate to say it? Who well, cares? Well, it, it is what it is. Like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a unique story. Like, yeah, not it's many a great people story. Just, Don't I hate think, to say that. I know I always, like when I was working in, in sales, yeah. you would look to these people that were just like, those people that just say, fuck it and chase a dream. Uh, it's very romantic. And I think that everyone has that. And I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to chase it and try and do it. And I hope that other people get amped up about trying to do it themselves. And I'm not saying quit your job and go for it, but it's like, you get, if you do a little bit of a side hustle, cause you never know, like maybe that is lightning in a bottle and that could be what catapults you into this whole new business or chasing your passion. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's, it's been interesting. Yeah. It sounds like you like the fight. Like you could take the easy route and work at a marketing or sales job and yeah. probably make some good money, but yeah. you're deciding to go the hard yeah. route and you're loving the fight. Yeah. But you're happy. Yeah. You and seem that, happy. That's the big part is like it, the old job that, that I was doing was like every year you're making six figures. Yeah. And I saw the path that I could have gone on and it would have been like a very good lifestyle, big house, nice car, good clothes. I was like, I just doesn't that's not what i want i it's it is what i want in a way but it's not the way i want to get there there's a lot of people listening that are feeling the exact same thing that you're feeling right now and i get it man the the entrepreneurial bug is real like i had that i've started businesses before it's friday right now at 10 42 in the a.m people are sitting at their desk right now typing away something they don't want to type you and i are sitting here right now having a conversation smelling this yeah and then talking about your life yeah what would you rather be doing 
yeah. You know what I mean? I, but it, it's it's easier said than done. That's fair. I get that, it. Like, there's fair. bills that's that fair. need to be paid. That's fair. There's commitments. I'm incredibly lucky that, I, again, I, I worked for 10 years and had a little bit of a, a savings built up. I'm also married to a wonderful woman who's a lawyer and it makes it a lot easier to be able like okay we're gonna be okay in the in the short term if i go chase this yeah but all i'll say for those people that have that entrepreneurial bug is like keep itching it like keep trying and like don't risk it all until you feel it's worth the full risk but Mm -hmm. it's hard to figure out when that is yeah but i get it man i i was itching for so long to start a business so so long and you just have to keep on exploring yeah and you're gonna fail like i've had two businesses that one one still operates like myself and uh will nelson started uh saute which okay. is a local healthy meal delivery company okay and we started off with four people and it's down to will and i think that a big thing with entrepreneurship that he has is guts like it's who can it's it's almost like it's not even who has the best idea it's who can hold on the longest and like that business now is finally hitting stride and he was the one that held on the longest. And it's like, you know what? I, at this point I probably would have been making some money from the company, yeah. but it's like, I didn't have the guts to keep with it because it's tough. It's super tough. And he did. And it's like, congrats, dude. Like you yeah. deserve it because that was not an easy ride and you made it and you deserve it. But I think that that is a lesson in itself with entrepreneurship is like the grind is real oh, and yeah. it's tough and it's mentally taxing. And at times you'll hate the business so much and mm. wish that you never started it. But then it gets to a point where maybe it's, maybe it's worth it, but Things maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> That's the hard part. It's a yeah. gamble. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk like early years, like shitty jobs you've had, like 15, 16 year yeah. old. You ever have any shitty jobs that you just hated? We've all had them. Oh, I've yeah. had them. Yeah. Talk about like some shitty yeah. jobs you've had. Yeah. So I, um, my best buddy growing up, his dad owned a moving company. Okay. So I started moving furniture at 12. And <laughs> Isn't I, that illegal? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I won't name the the uh, movie company, but we uh, we started when we were twelve years old. I had four best buddies, and we would all be in there moving like lampshades and pillows and stuff like that in in moving trucks, windows up, the crews all smoking cigarettes, and yeah, you're just was- like a child in the back. Uh, so that I mean, it was a tough job, but it gave you good money. They paid us well. Yeah, it was a tough job, but like I did. Twelve that. years old, anything's 12 good money. Twelve to twenty-two. Every summer, every summer I would be in there slinging furniture and I, I hated it, but it paid well and it, it was what it was. Yeah. Uh, but then I also worked at like a golf course part-time. That's fun. Picking the ra- I was picking the range though. What does that so mean? like um, the driving range. Oh, okay. So I go out there before, like at the golf course I was at, they didn't have like the, the picker upper, the range picker upper. So I was doing it by hand. <laughs> I'd be out there with like a 60 degree wedge and a bucket. <laughs> fucking pick it up balls it would just be it was ridiculous yeah that's hilarious uh, yeah is that machine like did that machine just get invented in the past couple years so i think it was granite springs with the golf course so their range was pretty haggard and it was like beautiful views it was like down a hill but it was like it was a mess so like they the picker upper thing wouldn't even work on their terrain yeah so they would have like three or four like kids like 14 year olds out there just picking the range by hand And it's those jobs where you're just thinking, what else would I rather be doing? Like when I was yeah. landscaping, I was just like, I want to start a podcast. Yeah. You just be mowing lawns for yeah. hours yeah. and you're just zoned out. You forget yeah. you're mowing lawns and yeah. you're just like, I don't want to do this. I want to yeah. do this. Here's yeah. how I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then you just go do it. Yeah. Until it works for me. At yeah, least. exactly. You just no. do it. Yep. But I mean, looking back on those shitty jobs, they give you perspective. Yeah. They give you hustle. Like I, I would never want to lift another piece of furniture again, but I think part <laughs> of my work ethic came 
from those summers when it's 35 degrees out and you're swamping like a five bedroom house. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was a tough job, but it hardened you up. <laughs> um, I want to go back to food for a bit. Yep. Favorite dish. Favorite I, dish. I know that's a tough question. It changes. It changes so much. Okay, so it right depends now, on then. right now I'm on like a big Vietnamese kick. Okay. I love Vietnamese food. So we spent about a month in Vietnam. Yeah. And Vietnam food is super interesting. Uh, very, a lot of like Southeast Asian food from my experience was they play on a number of senses. So it's like the food is crunchy. It's spicy. It's sweet. It's sour. It's bitter. It's chewy. It's like soft. It's hot. It's all over the place. And they put all of that in one dish. I'm thinking of a bomb me right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, bomb me is like a great example. Like they have the pickles on there. You've got the crunch of the baguette. You've got like the, like the almost like brininess of the, of the pate and the chewiness of the meat. Like it's all over the place. But if you get like, I've been doing a lot of these like cold Vietnamese, bowls lately cold well it's like cold noodles okay so you've got like rice noodles with different pickles in there and a ton of herbs and soy sauce and fish sauce and cilantro and like rice wine vinegar vinegar so it's like crunchy zingy cold spicy like bitter funky it's all over the place and i find like that is i mean when i eat that i find that like a really fun way to eat where it's like every bite is like that is all over the place i kind of love it and that's like my style food is like playing with um, I really love combining salty, spicy things with sweet things. So salty, like, spicy, sweet. Okay. So it's like I use a lot of fruit in my dishes. Okay. Where like, for example, I did a, a dinner, um, a burger for Burger Week where I'm, I'm working with the coast. I'm doing like a blog. And uh, we did like, it's a Thai pork sausage that's like spicy and really herbal. And then you've got like pickled carrots, pickled onions. We've got crispy onions, uh, sriracha mayo. And then I did a grilled pineapple salsa with it too. So it's like, it's all spicy, but then you get like the sweetness. It kind of like tones down the spiciness a little bit. Yeah. So I love doing that. So that's, that's been a style, but I love anything like tropical, anything uh, spicy, anything Vietnamese. I basically love. What's your favorite late night snack? Midnight, you want to go down to the kitchen, make something. What is it? been big into popcorn lately popcorn <laughs> i wasn't expecting that <laughs> i love popcorn i feel like people often when they ask like different cooks or chefs they're like what's your favorite meal and they're expecting like big answers half the time it's like i'm cooking all day long yeah when it comes to like feeding myself i will eat anything i'll Just eat popcorn. like yeah like a spoon of peanut butter and like popcorn is like what what gets me going uh but this bur- like burgers are so good like i love so good they're so good i love the smash burger yes yeah, there's so many burger channels on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, so many. Yeah, yeah. I'll get lo- I'll be on YouTube for two hours watching yeah. food videos, yeah. man. Food like, porn is a real thing. Oh like, yeah, people love the the idea of just like seeing that, and that's kind of what I did when I was launching my Instagram page. Is I recognize like what gets more likes, what gets more follows, Smart. and it's not like shit. I mean, there is a way to get like very chefy style plates, like plated beautifully, and you'll get likes from like chefs and stuff like that. But like for the common person or the person for me, when I was thinking of like the person that's watching Master Chef, why are they watching that? They're watching it for like the story, obviously, but like the food, it's like the it's like the yolk that's bursting. It's like the burger. It's the fried chicken. It's like the big cake. Like that's what people are like. They're scrolling. And they're like, oh, food I porn. want that. Yeah. And like they like it. So that's how I built I built a lot of it, but like people do get lost in YouTube like crazy. Like it's a wormhole. It's just like following all these different burgers or fried chicken. I was watching some guy in Texas make scrambled eggs yesterday for 10 minutes. Yeah. 
he bought a flat top. By the way, I love flat tops. Yes. And he just put a bunch of eggs on the flat top, put some salt, pepper, and just started chopping away. Yeah. I was watching the thing for 10 minutes. <laughs> Another thing I like watching is how buffets are made. I know buffets buffets might be your thing, but yeah. Vegas buffets oh, yeah, buffet. and how they fill those things up and how they keep the portions. Like, it's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. I love the way the uh, a kitchen runs. It's like a big machine. Yeah. You know, okay, this guy's on eggs. This guy's on this. This yeah. guy does this. This yeah. guy does this. Yeah. And the next thing you know, it's put out there for the public to yeah. eat for some odd reason. Yeah. I love watching that. It's super fascinating. I love the process of cooking, like watching kitchens operate. Super interesting. Um, the catering world is actually really interesting as well. I've been finding it like very cognitive, which I didn't think it would be. Like, um, it's not as if you're in the same space every day you there's a lot of events where i will show up and like we charge a lot like we charge a a premium when we come in there so the client is has high expectations always Uh, you're going into a space that is not built for cooking and you've got to make it happen the client doesn't give a shit if the power trips or what happens they just they hired you make it happen uh, but that's been super interesting to be able to go in and execute these events on the spot. So you're going into a, a location that you've never seen before and you've got your gear and you've got to set it up and you've got to get the food ready to serve. And then you have to plate 60 plates and you've got to do that for three courses. And like, so myself and my, my kitchen manager, Brad will show up and it's like, you've got two hours to pull this off and you've never seen the space before you're making like split decisions on what will work. And then even before that, when you're planning at the menu, you have to think of things like, okay, what if like the power doesn't work? Like how you do have we to ma- think of that stuff? Totally, because it's again you get to you can get to the location. We've been to many where you go to plug in an oven or an induction burner and it trips all the whole the electrical. But that's not your fault. But they paid me, so it's like you got to make it happen. They're, like the client doesn't. Wow. They don't want to give. A, they don't want to hear anything. Like you have to execute, and that's what I I love about it. It's intense, uh, but it's it is cognitive of every single situational possibility that you have to think through and like the menu the arrival the setup the gear that you bring the plates that you choose like the servers making sure you have enough staff like all these little elements like you really have to dive into the details and that before getting into cooking I wouldn't say like I was detail oriented but that's been something that you have to you have to be and that's been something that that um, have built out that skill for sure but it's really interesting but the nice thing is with catering is as soon as it's done it's done for good, for better or worse, the second the event is over, it's over. Anthony Bourdain once said the best cigarette he'll ever have in the entire day is as soon as the shift is over. It'll yeah. be three in the morning. The yeah. dishes will be done. The yeah. plates will be served. He'll go out back in an alley yeah. full of cats and garbage yeah. and shit, and yeah. he'll just have a cigarette. And yeah. He'll say it's the best yeah. feeling Yeah, ever. it really is. When you finish a good service, it's uh, – well, I played a lot of sports. It's the same thing as a sport. Yeah. Like I remember when I was playing hockey, like your best beer yeah. was like in the locker room after a win, yeah. just chatting with the boys. And it's the same sort of thing. Like the the cool thing that I really love about cooking is the the culture. And I draw a lot of parallels to sports because you could be on the line and like Brad and I will be like swearing at each other and like be like, fuck, that's not it. Like do this, like move, get out of the way. But it's like the same way. Like, well, I used to play hockey and was def- like my deep partner. I'd be swearing at them and like we get get into it. But it's like it's left in the game. Like we're we're all striving to win the game and that's what i love about like the employees that i have right now it's like they care they want to win and it's like i'm down for like this friction to happen during service because i know that you care and you know i care and the reason why we're like spatting right now is because we both care and we're, we're hoping that the client or the customer has like an incredible experience but then the second service is done it's like high fives props like good work like i love that yeah. and then it's the debrief so it's like it's it's uh 
it's an interesting culture of, of cooking because it is very uh, athletic. Athletic, I don't know if it's the right word, but it's like you got to be intense. in good shape. You've got to be like it's intense on the line. Like you're sweating. It's physically demanding, yeah. and uh, I really like the intensity because it's been the first time since playing competitive sports that I've got the same rush. Competitive sports, there's a lot of injuries. With cooking, I'm sure there's a lot of injuries too. Yeah. Worst injuries you've ever had. I see you have all your fingers, so you're yeah, good. Yeah, nothing too bad. I've been lucky, knock on wood, that I haven't had anything too bad. Like a couple cuts. The worst one I had was our daughter when she was born. Uh, sleep deprived. I was like making soup and I chopped off the tip of my finger. It's it's back now. It Let me all see. Back. You, you, you can't even notice, but I can't okay. feel anything there. Like it's all it's all numb. no feeling. Uh, but nothing too bad yet. But it's like it's just grueling. Like I'm tall, yeah. so like prepping or plating, you're bent over. Yeah. Um. So it's been something that even since I've got into cooking a lot, I've actually really dove deep into like doing yoga regularly, Sick. just to try to like maintain my body a little bit more. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like no bad injuries yet. Knock on wood. Um, we're coming up on it. Wow. We are coming up on an hour here. Okay. Last question. Well, there's, I have so many more questions, but whatever. Um, I guess, I guess I did already ask the questions when you're sick. Yeah. I'm sick a lot. Not sick a lot, but I get colds. What's the, what's the, what do you, what are you eating if you're sick? Everyone has the, everyone has the, the answer. Yeah. Lemon, honeys, tea, chicken noodle soup. Yeah. Put your I, head underneath the steam bowl. Yeah. What is it? I think it's kind of all of that. We go, uh, my wife and I will go t- and get like hot bubbling bowl of Vietnamese pho. Yeah. And just like big noodle soup, load it up with sriracha, make it super spicy. Yeah. And then it's just like, don't talk to me. Get the spoon in there. You're sweating. You're snotting. You're just kind of a leaky it's mess. Sweat. That's the yeah. answer. Sweat. Yeah. Yeah. But that would be my go-to. Yeah. Of like Any soup has so many minerals and salts that you need that yeah. that's my go-to. It's like a big bowl of Vietnamese soup. Right on, man. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate Cheers, it. I appreciate this. Um, last minute is your minute. So if you want to thank family, friends. I know you've had a lot of support yeah. here on the East Coast. Yeah. So go ahead. Totally. Talk to who you need to talk yeah, to. Yeah, no. Like, it's been amazing. The whole East Coast has been phenomenal. Like, the support that I've gotten has been wild from local businesses to, the like, the government has reached out. No like, way. everyone's been unbelievable. And... Like just, I thank my family, everyone that's continued to support. It's been super cool. And uh, yeah, I think that I I'm feel very proud to be given a platform to tell the Nova Scotia food story. And uh, I'm going to keep on doing that and pushing it across the country. And uh, I'm excited to do that and just thank everyone for the continued support. Awesome, man. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yes, I learned a lot. Did. I hope everyone else listening learned a lot as well. It was a great time. Thanks, dude. All right, man. We're out. Everyone listening, please go to all of our social media outlets. Like, subscribe, comment. You know what to do. We are out. Peace. Looking through the mirror and I'm making ascension Whoa, black people in the mall breeze Came around the corner and she caused me to freeze up, ease up Watch how the world could tease us, tease us But only G.O.D. could please us Hey, let me add up my mama too Show me how to roll without breaking the rules Paying my dues, MC jumping out shoes The socks to get with lyrical fights don't stop Oh, black people, time to shine Everything is fine when you're losing your mind I'm like a black alligator, freestyle battle rap Doesn't get better than that, it's that guy
in the name we were all born in a flame not the same but under the moon on a desert plane we roam home take coast coast i saw with my naked eye way too close now i'm just the son of a man on a mission who worked with his hands and brought him to foreign land in the hinterland swinging the mic like an axe with the beer in the atmosphere laying down tracks